startups that are bootstrapped, they're really businesses already. The problem is when you do that, you're most likely going to hire awesome people who are going to do awesome things. To me, that's that's maybe there's a way to just kind of start over a little bit. Hey, listener, this is Adam Beta. My name is Peter Soom, and my co-host is Matt Wensing. Matt is the founder of Summit, and I'm the founder of Reform. And on this podcast, you get to follow along on our startup journeys. Don't forget to check out our website on adabeta.fm to find our entire back catalog and other resources, including our Start Here page for new listeners. Let's go. Hey, Matt. Hey, Peter. It's a different kind of episode today. It is. Uh, we're bringing in the community answering questions oh they came in they definitely we came got in. more than i thought we would <laughs> way more i think the last time we tried this we might have gotten one tried to beg for two but it didn't yeah. happen this time it was floodgates got open man yep so uh apparently the timing was good it was time for yeah. it perfect so uh yeah we have a lot to uh dive into so um be uh before we we do that i'll talk about our sponsor this month which is Feature Upvote. And um, Feature Upvote, they provide a Feature Upvote board for your app so users can add feature requests. We've talked about it for a few weeks now. And other users can upvote uh, those feature requests. So it's really neat. It's a, way to bring, it's a way to bring your users into your roadmap planning and kind of you know hear them and have a one central place where... Uh, you can get this feedback instead of all over the place. So, uh, and it should be easy for you to see which features are most popular because there's a democracy aspect to it. And um, a really cool thing about Feature Upvote is that if you're an out of beta listener, you get a 20% discount. And you can read more about Feature Upvote and the discount by going to featureupvote.com slash out of beta. And I really like that Steve set up a dedicated out of beta page with some out of beta messaging and a message to our listeners. <laughs> so um, I think that's a really nice touch. So yeah. people should check it out. Cool. So uh, questions. We've got Ooh. a lot of them. Do you want to just dive in and see what happens? Yeah. Let's see if we can make it through all of them. I think that would be fun. More questions yeah. is better. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I agree. Cool. I'll read the first one. It's from... Paul Ivanowski from Task Train. And he said, this one is mostly for Peter Soom. Talking about your failed product, uh, you often, you're often critical of early pre-product market fit sales. Would love to hear your thoughts about classic Y Combinator piece on the matter. What's wrong with this approach in your opinion? And then he linked to a Jessica Livingston from Y Combinator um, post. I didn't read all of it. I skimmed it. I don't remember Same. if I read it before. But it's basically the... What I got from it was you should be very wary of anything that you would describe using the word marketing early on in a startup. You should be doing mm -hmm. sales instead. Mm -hmm. You should be talking to one person instead of a group of people and having a one-on-one -on -one conversation. I think I don't think I've been critical of this approach. I think I've been very, um, very positive of the mom test approach and i th i'm pretty sure that's what is uh, recommended in y combinator as well these days i know rob fitzpatrick who wrote that book went through y combinator and i think i'm pretty sure it's like uh, on the on the curriculum when you go through yc that you you mm. 
you have you hear about the mom test. So I mm-hmm. don't think I've been critical of doing sales early on. I think what I've been critical about is thinking that you can you can you can I mean that's the whole pref the, the whole um the whole idea in the mom test is you can't trust people and you can't trust them to like tell you the truth. So you can't even trust yourself. And I I think that's more what I've been uh talking about and and especially prepayments. And especially the types of yes. prepayments where it's people you know already, like yep. people from your like yep. the following on Twitter, for example. Yep. If I edit this I, from pre-product market fit sales to pre-sales, it changes the question, and I think it fits because I think we've both been critical of pre-sales. At least I know I have been, as far as being overrated in terms of how much evidence that gives you that you know you're on the right track because pre-sales basically is marketing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I think if, yeah. if you if you think about pre-sales the kind of pre-sales where you ask someone that you already have like a social, like a relationship with, it's so polluted and you can't, it, it doesn't prove anything except that they want to support you. And one of the first people that bought Reform was Chris Lemma. And he's the nicest guy. He's like, you know, he wants to support everyone. He wants to become a customer of products because he likes the founder and he wants to support them. And he's just, you know, He's friends with everyone because he's a he's an awesome guy and he's like a you know he's just a good guy. And I asked yep. him why he bought why he bought Reform if he had a use case for it, and he said his use case was to support me. And that's very honest. <laughs> so he's not using Reform yeah. today because um, yeah. he bought it because he wanted to support me. And yep. that's that's what I'm talking about usually. Yep, you, you could end up with a lot of zombie revenue before you have real fit because the person's not buying it to use it they're buying it for a different reason right it's charity and yep now if you set up a website before you had a product and you just let people buy it you know and you're like hey you know this product is going to be available in about three months time you could buy it already at a discounted price and people like that you didn't know found that i think that would be a great sign yep but that's not the same thing when you're like, especially it, when you're face to face with someone and you're asking them to give you money, that's like uncomfortable to say no. Yep, I agree. And I think so, the less uh, somebody knows about your product, the less their purchase means. <laughs> you know, they they haven't yeah. even used it yet, and it's brand new. And you're also yeah. like, you're also right that it's marketing. And I think I also thought about it when I read this question that the. I don't agree that you shouldn't do marketing because I think almost everything we do as founders building in public are is mm-hmm. marketing. And yeah. marketing is a great way to get a lot of people to talk to early days. Cause, so the reason I had a lot of people to talk to, and I talked to so many people about reform, um, we talked about that like two episodes ago. Like I was talking about how like I was talking to, for example, Ben Orenstein about it and he didn't want to buy it. Um, <laughs> I I talk I had thirty conversations like that, and then I didn't feel like I was learning more, right? And 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 um, but the reason I it was easy for me to have thirty conversations was because people listen to my podcast, they follow me on Twitter, they they got excited 
because I was tweeting all these like, you know, we're working on something, but it's in stealth mode. So they wanted to hear about it. They wanted to learn more and know more. And that's mm -hmm. marketing. It's and 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 I just think almost every time someone says they're not doing marketing, it's it's not true. Yeah. Yeah. I, the I, fact that you hear them say that they don't do marketing is probably the result of marketing. <laughs> well said. My my summary of this space is when people sell something in the early days, they think it means that somebody's willing to pay for their thing. Oh, look, somebody bought this. That means people are willing to pay for this thing. That's not actually what that shows. It means that they like you. It means that they're excited. It means they hope that the product is what they hope it is. <laughs> the It does not mean they are willing to pay for the thing that eventually actually exists, let alone renew their subscription to the thing that eventually actually exists. So you're you're just making a very large leap to go from a pre-sale or even an early sale to a renewal of, a, of the product that eventually exists. And I think people just get ahead of themselves and get really excited and they... They, they basically give themselves too much credit <laughs> for just getting somebody to give them a credit card number, right? It's a false positive. Yep. Should we move on to the next? Yeah, let's do it. And thank you for the question, by the way, and that, that goes for everyone. We appreciate that yeah. people took the time to write these. Cool. The next one is from Brian Castle from Sip Message, and he asks, if each of you could start over on your current slash recent product, what would you have done differently? Mm. And I'd say I thought about this for a bit because I've, it's. I feel like there are two things here. Like what some stuff you you couldn't have done differently because you had to learn it. <laughs> I mean, yep. one thing for me I thought about is like there, there are certain features I would have loved to have built early on, so they maybe were easy to build. But it would have been pure speculation to build those features before. We knew that that was what people wanted. Yeah. But if I was building a form builder again, like I would obviously build those earlier. But yeah, I think that's not what he meant. He means like I. Mm. Well, it's, he says current recent pro. Like I, I almost see this as to get to where I am now. I had to take a very indirect path, and I don't know how else to get to where I got. I'm happy with where I'm at. <laughs> I, I'm not really sure how to get back here other than kind of taking the same path that I already took. But if I read this as, are you aware of any mistakes you made, you know, that you would skip the next time around? Um, I think one mistake I made, and I recognize this after, probably about three or four months afterwards, but one of the versions of Summit, I think it was the second version yeah, second version, I started working on it. I got really, I, I tried to uh, invest in like data science and kind of forecasting as just more, I brought on a contractor to work on that heavily. And uh, it just ended up being a waste of, of time and money because they weren't the best fit. And I hadn't really figured out the product enough yet to to know that I needed their expertise. Like I, I, it was very speculative, right? And so it was probably, it was a bet. Uh, ultimately, I learned from that, but I definitely got ahead of myself from a "Hey, let's invest in the let's invest in the cool advanced stuff" <laughs> before I had really sold or established the base first, and I think that was a mistake for sure. Uh, I might be able to think of other ones, but I think you know, not getting ahead of yourself is a lesson I'm still learning. 
Yeah, I think my answer is almost the opposite <laughs> because I mm. we we built it was a very organic kind of like the way we came to the idea for reform because we were working on a different idea um i don't even know how much i've talked about this in the podcast but we were working on a tool to do investor updates and yeah i i pre-sold a few of those well i didn't take money but i i asked people that they would pay 50 dollars a month for it you said you would uh, jordan gal said he would and one of our investors said he would um and the idea was that it would kind of like pull a smart investor update out of you. Um, and I described it to a friend oh, yeah. as using, kind of like working the same way Typeform does, where it just asks you one question at a time, but the questions would be like dynamic based on what you said last month. And um, then he, my friend was like, why don't you just like build a prototype in Typeform if, if you want to work like Typeform? And that's what I did. And that's how I realized that I didn't like Typeform at all. Um, and then we start talking mm. about maybe we should build another type form and then we talk to like a lot of people about it and so it it didn't start with like this huge vision of like we need want to change the world <laughs> or anything like that and also like I was super burned coming out of branch so I think that that helped me back I wanted to test everything at the current stage stage I was at before I moved on to the next I wanted to feel extra sure that people actually wanted this and I I thought we could we could do all the one-off things in the beginning like launch on Twitter launch the podcast launch on product hunt um, you know sell it to those like 500 people on their early access list and Bjorn and I could get to a default alive stage just from that and if we couldn't, I wasn't so sure mm -hmm. that I, I've kind of like told myself that if we couldn't do that, then it was going to be too hard. Then as we went, like that didn't quite happen. And but I still believed in the product. And, you know, it, it just felt more and more like we just had like a top of the funnel problem. And that's kind of where we are now. Right. But if I had believed more uh, in the idea from the start, I would have invested in some of those things early on. Like we just started mm. working on SEO yeah. and we're a year in. Imagine if we had been doing SEO for a year now, we would have been able to maybe transition from that like early phase um, of yeah, pre-sales and, and you know, people in your network that you sell to and product hunt and then kind of move over to more like organic growth. Um, that would have been nice. And when I think of Derek, what he did with SavvyCal, first of all, he had he had a quite a bigger like audience than I did, and he he also he nailed the product uh, the first time I think, so he did really well in Product Hunt, and then Product Hunt, and I had just like seen this when we started Reform, right? I just seen Derek do this stuff. He Product Hunt sent out an email to like their several hundred thousand yeah. people email list that said rest in pe rest in peace Calendly. And featured Savical, yeah, and 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 that took Derek to the default alive stage, and and obviously like there's a lot of skill in there and a great product, but there's also some luck, of course, and also he he brought on uh, Corey when he had, he was at a thousand dollars MRR, so definitely not default alive, and I didn't make those bets early on with Reform. I didn't invest in marketing um, cool. long-term 
early on. So I, I guess that's what probably the main thing I'll do differently. Just be more bold. Okay, next question. You each get a $500,000 grant to spend the money however you want on the business. What do you do with it? And that question is from Corey Haynes from Swipe Files and Swipe Well. Do you want to go first? Sure. Um, so people may not love this answer because it's like, it, it's not, I don't think it's kind of the content that Corey's looking for, but the, the truth is we're not running Summit right now in a way that's really, we're doing the stuff that we want to do and need to do to build the thing we're trying to build. And what I'm trying to say is, there's a long way of saying we're not really operating like a cash constrained business. <laughs> so an extra $500,000 for us would basically just extend our runway and we wouldn't do anything differently. Like we're already doing all the things that we want to do. Uh, we're, there's nothing on our roadmap. There's nothing sort of on our list of things to do that we're not doing because we don't have more bandwidth or capacity. Um, so so it, would just extend party? Our, it would just extend our runway. I would extend our runway, maybe a little party. <laughs> um, so that's our answer right now. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. I mean, we, we kind of need some money. So obviously it would allow Burn and I to also have a longer runway. I think if we had 500K, I would bring on another developer because we're kind of bottlenecked on development right now. And mm -hmm. I would also bring on someone to help me with marketing. So mm. with the SEO stuff, there's just so much stuff to do and yeah i'm just realizing we need writing for everything you know when we're doing integration there's like launch blog post when we do seo there's like descriptions of templates and competitor pages and there's just endless amount of content we need for everything all the time and i could use some help with that and i think that would still be some money left um for us to also like invest in marketing like maybe spend more money on I think mostly we would probably be using most of the money on product and SEO and I think they're kind of they tie together a bit so that's kind of like our bet right now so I don't think because we had $500,000 that wouldn't change my bet and what I want to work work on with reform I think we, we might like try some other channels as well maybe try some paid ads or something but i just don't think that's how we're going to grow so I'd rather just like plow it into the thing that we already believe is mm -hmm. going to work just b keep building a better product and see if we can grow our organic traffic cool i buy that a small christmas party maybe <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay okay Corey had one more question uh, mm -hmm. He asked, how do your families view your startups and careers? Ooh. I asked my wife about this. That That's actually a smart thing to do because it's their view, not yours. So what what is what, what was her view? <laughs> is that um, a spoiler? <laughs> I have it here. She sent it to me in Danish, so I'll try to try to explain it. Um, she said she looks at it as like a surprisingly creative job. And where you need to wear a lot of hats, more than she initially thought. And it seems like it's it's really hard and it's not something that everyone would be able to do. Um, and she also said it kind of, uh, she said it it seems a bit like a, a boys club 
and maybe also a little white. I think that's probably more potentially a f- <laughs> my fault of my uh, who mm. I uh, surround myself with maybe in the startup world because I think there are other uh, a lot of different types of uh, entrepreneurs, and I think she mostly knows me, um, so she's not white, my wife. Um, and she said, it seems like it's a bit far from the rest of the world sometimes. And mm. there are a lot of like social rules, especially in like tech startups um, that no one else cares about, that, but that we care about a lot <laughs> for some mm. reason. <laughs> and uh, so she <laughs> said it reminded her of academia, which is where she, uh, what she's doing, mm. right? She's in academia. Mm-hmm. Um, she said she doesn't know much about reform because she's never used it. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's awesome. But uh, she can tell that my work gives me energy and it's great that I have the opportunity to uh, find other people that have the same interest in me and work with them. And she thinks it's cool that I um, that I want to be an entrepreneur, um, but she doesn't really think that it's a choice. <laughs> she, she thinks it's just kind of something I have to do. Mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. true. Um, I don't. I wouldn't know what else to do, honestly. And I have yep. tried, and it did not go well. <laughs> I was just thinking about that today. When I had my first job, I remember being at the desk one day, and one of my coworkers got fired because he did something bad. And I just remember thinking, <laughs> I kind of envy him. Like, <laughs> he could just go <laughs> home now and do whatever he wants. <laughs> and it was a really good job, nice people and everything. But yeah, when I yeah. had that feeling, it's like, that's not the yeah. correct feeling to have. <laughs> <when someone gets laughs> that's not the correct feeling. Yeah. Definitely not what the boss had in mind. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I yeah, think so that's um, my answer. I yeah. also asked Toby. He said, "Dad works with computers." Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, my version. Uh, so, twenty. Uh, my wife and I'll be celebrating our twentieth anniversary next year. Uh, married, and I've been an entrepreneur, working on some side project on nights and weekends, or working on it full time since 2004 so you know that's 17 years of uh well all but one year of our marriage basically that i've been unsatisfied with just going to work every day and and coming home so uh so at this point it's um she knows that it's uh inextricably tied to to me who i am my ambitions my goals in life it's all just tied together and you know, I've always said, hey, if I didn't have a company, I would always just go get a job. Um, and who knows, I might get acquired one day and go work for somebody for a bit. But it's who I am, and I think um, she knows that very well. Uh, and it's it's a it's for better, and it's also for worse sometimes. So that's um, that's the trade off. And the kids uh, the kids know that it's what I do. They ask questions as they get older that are increasingly kind of nuanced, which is fun. Uh, and yeah, other than that, they also know that like if their friends Google for their dad, that they learn a lot more about him than if they Google for their own dad or their friend's dads, because I, uh, I create a lot online. So, uh, that's kind of a funny, <laughs> it's a funny, funny thing. Yeah. It's, your kids discover your online identity. Oh yeah. no. Yeah. 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 Careful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Then, uh, we have Ignacio Alonso, he asks, how would you grow tweet2image.com? I assume that's his product. 
-hmm. currently he's focusing on SEO with good results. Any feedback on landing page or advice around marketing? I haven't even opened up the page yet because I just wanted to kind of like I did so reaction. I can I can take this one uh, or at least <laughs> okay. I can start. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a utility is the word that came to mind. Um, page looks fine. It was I was I was actually shocked though to go straight from the banner to the editor. It, it's like it's an H one and a head header line banner that's like, hey, this is what you can do with the product, and then immediately it's oh, like, oh, this is the editor. Here's the product. I thought it was a screenshot of the editor. Or is it the ed- No, it's no, it, it is, is the editor. editor. So yeah, I just assumed that, it was like a screenshot of it. Yeah, so that's confusing. That needs to be fixed. Blog is empty and non-clickable. That's an issue. And then um, there's some basic layout stuff that could be worked on here. And then the generate image button that the editor uses is like way too small and crammed off to the left. Have, fix the layout, improve the layout, make the editor obviously the editor like try it now exclamation point you know yeah yeah that maybe put missed in a, opportunities a tweet yeah. already yeah yeah put Do in s- like jack's first tweet or something exactly why should i have to come up with a tweet link give me a good one you know uh or maybe no it says i have to click generate well and then if i click generate instead of automatically put- so there's like a background text which isn't entered so what- and then when i click generate it fails yeah this this needs work um, what I would do is like have the tweet link form field. I would just populated. have one big field, kind of like when you go to Google.com, where yeah. you can paste the tweet in, and then after you paste in the link, the editor appears because it's confusing paste, that it's paste following. in a link, paste in a link, or pick one f- from one of these five existing tweet links. Yeah, to see an example. Just to see, yeah, exactly. Why? Why should I have to do anything? So then you can and just then pick then one. Then you go to the editor, style it. Yep. And then, frankly, isn't the isn't the goal of this to do something with that screenshot. So like, don't just generate the screenshot. Give me a step that says like, share this now on your Instagram or whatever, right? The, the actual flow is, no, it just generates the image that I then have to go use, which why not take? Yeah, that seems thing? like a great way to get people's, uh, you know, their social logins, emails right? and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So that, yeah, that's, so that's weird. Fruit. In terms of growing this thing, this feels like a utility that's aimed squarely at a very specific kind of social media influencer or something person who's like, they exist, they have, you know, they have a, they have a TikTok, they have an Instagram, they have a Twitter handle. They want to like leverage their tweets more on the other networks. And so you're going to target them. So that's not me, but I'm sure no. there's a million of them out there. So yeah. I would just folks. <laughs> not care about charging for it. I would just focus on like making it really easy, get a lot of users. And then you have a great like engineering as marketing tool for like another like a, a, a you know tweet scheduling tool or whatever. Yeah. A, a real SaaS that you want to build one day or sell it to someone that could use that traffic. Exactly. I, I feel like this $5 a month thing is like completely misplaced. It's, it's social media influencers don't pay for anything yet already. Um, none of the tools they use mostly are, they're all free. So this should be free and figure out monetization later, much later, much, yeah. much later. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Cool. Next question is also from Corey Haynes. And he asks, uh, you can each go back and do one single thing differently when you're starting this up. again. 
what do you change? <laughs> it's kind of the same thing, but it's only one thing. Uh, okay. So I can mm. say for me, it's SEO. It, mm-hmm. I just um, I just paid uh, $500 to get like a SEO keyword reports from uh, John from Credo. And I would do that on day one. I would even probably do that as part of like researching the product if I thought, because I knew from the beginning that if reform was going to work, eventually we would do SEO. I just didn't want to do it in the beginning. That's not where I, I thought I should focus my energy. But just from day one, like have like a roadmap and and a difficulty score of like how hard is this going to be? Because I, mm. yeah, I think that would be great to have from day one. And next step after that would probably be to maybe have like a professional SEO person help me do a few content briefs for those keywords and then maybe do the content myself in the beginning if we didn't have a lot of money, if we had some money, outsource the writing and just get that started. Mm-hmm. So get the keyword research, get some content brief for those keywords and just start creating the content. That would be the thing that I would change. Cool. Because hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've only, we pretty much focused on I've just been learning and learning and going through the washing machine here in terms of like just iterating on this product. And I mean, now that I know the path to where I am, I could have skipped a ton of stuff and just gone straight to here. But um, well, yeah, maybe, okay. Maybe what I would do differently is when I originally started Summit uh, and it wasn't even called Summit, I really had like a lifestyle business in mind. And I think Mm. if I could go back and change, I'd probably just change my perspective from the beginning and just realize that this is too, this is the, the, the build is too big to probably be a lifestyle business. And that's also like not my style, apparently. (laughs) And I should just next time around, I'm going to come to grips with that early on and realize that like I build businesses that tend to be heavy upfront effort and need funding and they're not lifestyle etc and so i'd probably just i'd probably architect things differently just knowing that i'm going for you know i'm not trying to build a lifestyle business yeah when you started summit you had a, like a 20 person company already right yeah yeah i was i was yeah i was a, you were yeah. not the ceo anymore but you still Correct. were very involved yeah so i really wanted to I, a lifestyle business sounded nice. It sounded like a nice sort of next phase, next chapter of my career where I could just sort of more relax and collect, you know, collect revenue, have that kind of bootstrapper's dream, but it's ultimately not what I built. So, uh, and I'm happier now, funny enough. So, yep. The next one is from Ruben Gamas from Signwell. And it's, this, this is the one I feared. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. This he is says, great. If you traded places and had to take over each other's products, what would be the biggest thing you try, you do or try differently? Wow. This is what we do all the time, but we normally don't do it with each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We're constantly talking about, like, yeah, kind of thought experiments. Um, do you want to go first? I, I, Are you ready? I don't have a good answer. I'll maybe start with kind of like my thinking process. Mm-hmm. So the way I kind of thought of this is like, cause I don't, I don't have anything necessarily that I think you should have done differently. So I'm just trying to think if it was me, mm. 
what are what the things that I doing? think that I'm I'm better at than you are. Yeah. And I'm and and I'm not necessarily convinced that any of the things that I think that I'm better uh, than you at would <laughs> make Summit a better business. Interesting. So like I'm not and I, I and also like I'm not sure I I mean I would ha- if if I if we change traded places I would have to do things differently because I don't We're I can't people. do the things that you're doing. So sure. Yeah, but I I honestly don't have a good answer like I was I think uh, the only thing that maybe came to mind was um from like a work in public perspective. Mm. You know everyone is now saying when they see the the apps this you know they get it. And I'm I'm wondering if you could have done or if I would do more work in public where somehow like made it more obvious what it was mm-hmm. because um I th- you're a very smart person so a lot of the times when we talk on the podcast I don't always pick up um when you give me feedback on something or you say something about reform, I don't always pick it up. I think it's also, you know, just because I'm sitting here and like recording everything and like, you know, looking at the next thing we're going to talk about. Yeah. yeah. But then when I listen back to the episode, I'm like, Oh, that's what he meant. Like it, I need some time for that to kind of sink in. (laughs) And I think it's the same sometimes with your tweets. Like they have like a really, a really deep point about something or like succinct, you know, view on on something um but maybe like people don't have spend enough time reading a tweet that they they pick it up so maybe just with some visuals something like that maybe i would just work in public in a more like in a way that the people that follow me on twitter (laughs) understood more of what i was actually doing that's good that's good i uh yeah totally i appreciate that uh and i think yeah, if I were suddenly showed up, and I, I had, I, you know, it's funny. I read the question the same way. I'm like, am I Peter now, or am I me? But I meant reform. <laughs> Where's <Yeah>. Peter? <laughs> um, but if I were suddenly like drinking beers the, with Bjorn all the time, yeah. If I were suddenly the owner of Reform and you weren't there, uh, what would I be doing? Um, I wouldn't be doing the SEO stuff that you're doing because that just doesn't come as naturally to me. So what would I be doing instead? Um, I'm always tempted to like work on more and powerful features. Uh, I think that's my natural bent, you know, seeing if I can build like how differentiated can I build this thing? Um, you know, what are the things that we can do that are just, yeah, that wow factor, that sizzle, that differentiation would probably be my focus, but that wouldn't necessarily be good for reform. I you'd probably raise knowing, more money. I'd probably raise more money exactly, and I'd be trying to turn it into, you know, a, a giant business faster kind of thing. And but I don't know that that's the right play for reform because I think in some sense the march you're on with the SEO and the form builder that delivers on its what i would say simple promise it's a really good path it's not what i would do um but uh yeah i think that's where my head would be at is on the is on the product differentiation and fundraising side how can i make this and i've shared some pretty 
kind of like wild ideas with you before about yeah. you know what is reform really and blah 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 and so i i, I tend to go into outer space <laughs> with my with my ambitions uh but yeah that's i think that's a really good I'm answer different. it seems very plausible and yeah, i like it <laughs> fun cool cool the next one is from rishi mittal from Loneto. And uh, he asks, what commonly accepted stardom wisdom do you disagree with and why? Mm. Make hmm. it spicy, gents. Ooh. Do you, uh, you want to go first on this one? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, commonly accepted stardom wisdom. There's a lot of stardom wisdom that is that gets disagreed with. Uh, I mean, I could load up, I could load up Naval... Uh, I could Naval's uh, t- timeline or um, Sahil <laughs> or Sahil's timeline and pretty much just blast holes in that stuff all day long because I think most of it's just terrible fortune cookies that get repeated and um, and whatnot. Oh, I know. Actually, this is this is my favorite one lately. I the the focus on pain, customer pain points, and Ooh. solving for pain. I really don't agree with. I, I think it's. I think it's. I think it gets too much focus. Let me just put it that way. It gets too much focus and attention and credit. I'm reading a really interesting book right now. Um, What's it called? The, the the How Play Made the World. I think I'm getting it right. Stephen Johnson is the author. He makes a point much better than me because he goes through like 20 historical examples. But this is the exact idea: the pursuit of pleasure <laughs> and the desire to find joy is much more powerful than solving pain. People are incredibly resilient and adaptive and willing to put up with pain if it's part of their jobs and they feel like that's just what they have to do. Avoiding pain, yeah, that's great, that's fine. But you give somebody the opportunity to like get pleasure out of something that either normally causes them pain or is just boring. And I think that's a better place to go. And frankly, if you read Paul Graham's little adage slowly... He doesn't say, like, make something people need because it solves for a pain or it moves pain. He says, make something people want. <laughs> and I think we focus way too much on need and pain and not enough on, not enough on like, want and desire. So I really don't, like, I really disagree with the, like, solve for pain. I mean, most jobs are full of pain and they suck. And if you said, hey, I'll get rid of the pain, people would be like, okay. But if you're like hey, how would you like to love this or find joy in this or just like find pleasure in this? Like now you have somebody's attention, right? And so maybe it's like just the bar is higher for me. It's like it's not enough to remove the pain. Like it also should be fun and and pleasurable, right? That That's actually the product bar, not just like, hey, what's your pain? I got a pain solution. Like, eh, yeah, it is a pain to like, do this but if all you're doing is getting rid of that i don't know it's just not enough for me good answer (laughs) i'm looking on my shelf of business books behind me and trying to come up with an answer but (laughs) the one that came to mind was the mvps i Mm. think i think and so he asked for us to make it spicy I think mm. my friend Adam Wethen has improved <laughs> this uh, slightly, but 
I think a lot of uh, a lot of like bootstrapped small like solopreneur companies uh they just don't look very good <laughs> like mm. they don't look very professional they don't work very well and just like little things like i, I checked out someone's website today and the, their logo just looked super fussy on a retina screen i'm mm. like yeah so i don't want to buy products that look like that i think it maybe it ties into what you just said a little bit actually it's not mm-hmm. just about the pain. It's also about me like feeling like these are like people that care about the little details and like put in the work to like make a nice product. And I love Jason Cohen's alternative to MVP, which is SLC, Simple, Lovable, Simple, Lovable, Complete, which we've mm. talked about here as well. Yep. And I think that's an easier one to understand and get right than, mm. uh, than an MVP. Yeah, the... Uh Peter Gassner, I love hearing him talk. He was the founder and CEO of a company called Viva Systems. Uh, fascinating company. Anyway, he he had this comment, which was he was building, for pharmaceutical companies, he was building a, essentially, think of like a, a lead gen CRM system built on top of Salesforce for pharmaceutical salespeople. People told him like the market's way too narrow, blah, blah, blah. You're never, never going to sell. It's now... Publicly, publicly traded company, only raised $4 million. It blew up that fast. So freaking amazing. He said this thing, which was when he talked to customers, he didn't ask them about their pain or their misery with their existing tools because they had tools already. He listened for the absence of excitement or emotional connection to their existing tools and basically said, I bet I can make a tool that they actually love and feel attached to and they will leave their current tool for ours even though there's no pain there like by creating something that's just so much better they're going to want to leave their tool because and it's like you said if you if your existing solution for a form builder has like a fuzzy logo and rough edges it's kind of like it's it's there and it works and it's not really a pain but then something comes along that's awesome i'll give you a great example calendly worked for me savvy cal makes me feel good <laughs> yeah. That's worth something, right? So. Yep. Cool. Then we have Brendan Andrade from Bright Bits and he says if there's a limited amount of matter in the universe, how can Olive Garden offer truly unlimited soup, salad and breadsticks? It's right up our alley. <laughs> so I'm not American, but I've actually been to Olive Garden. Wow, I um, my wife she listens to the the Green Brothers, John and Hank, whatever they're called. Okay. Um, but they also they have like some internal joke I think about Olive Garden. So when we were, we were in like the middle of nowhere in New Mexico and we saw an Olive Garden and my was like, can we please go? <laughs> and it was like a whole experience for her. Like we took a picture yeah. in front of her. everybody. Yeah. Uh, and they get real crowded on a Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love it. Uh, so this is actually a college. Uh, um, our oldest uh, is going to college in the fall. She applied to the University of Chicago. This was actually, funny enough, one of their admissions essay questions was this. Oh. And they wanted to see what students would say wow. in response to this question, which is great. Uh, I mean, I solve this. I look at this the summit way, which is uh, the, the limp, the, the, 
unlimited claim is is a lie. It's it's a marketing thing because they know that there's a limit on the amount that people can essentially consume at one point. That's sort of my very literal dry uh, interpretation of this. Um, but I love the oh, question. I went for, a bit further. Yeah. Okay, good. Over the dinner table because I told Maya about the question. Yeah. No, I just started thinking like, it's not unlimited because it's the the you know the kind of people it's people that goes to Olive Garden so it's it's and people can only eat like a certain amount so yes. I was just thinking like in theory everything is recycled on this planet right so we eat stuff uh, mm. goes in one end and comes out the other end so like in theory <laughs> if everyone started eating Olive Garden all the time we could they could just scale to a point where that's how we run our society is like through Olive Gardens. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. And it's yeah. some sort of like socialistic world where every f- all food go through Olive Garden. <laughs> then it would so scale. <laughs> it's it's essentially the water cycle. Uh, yeah. Be, uh, okay, so it's unlimited in it's that. So as long as they can. Yeah, it's long as long as they can uh, reclaim uh, the, the resources, the used soup salad and breadsticks, and turn it back <laughs> into soup salad and breadsticks as fast as they. As, That's kind yeah, of how the world the, works. Yeah, that's right. So this is basically an accelerated, right? Because there's a finite am- amount of matter. So this Just is a an simple society where we all eat the same. Yeah, uh, I like that answer a lot. Mm-hmm.